Welcome to the Most True You podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Irene. Today we have Julia DiCaneva with us. Julia is a coach and pro organizer who helps people and businesses strategize, organize, and simplify to beat burnout once and for all. She's a mindfulness and meditation facilitator, Gallup certified strengths coach, young adult cancer survivor, and intentional living enthusiast. Julia loves to keep algorithms guessing, and even better when she can encourage others to do the same and embrace all the different parts of themselves. Julia, welcome to the Most True You podcast. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, I'm so glad to have you. And you just got off of a flight from Chicago, so I'm really glad that you were able to make time and space for this. And I'm really excited about this conversation, even just reading through your intro. There's so much there that we could unpack through this conversation. So yeah, I'm really excited. Yeah, I'm excited to dive in. I was I was in Chicago for my grandfather-in-law's 100th birthday party. So oh my gosh, that that's feels so like, fun. Yeah, if you're going to talk about kind of living your own life, uh, it might be 100 years. So. It could be 100 years. <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. I My grandpa is 94, or going to be 94 in November. Mm. And we've had a couple conversations recently where he has shared that he never anticipated living well into his 90s. And it's been really interesting talking with him about what that has meant for him. Yeah, yeah. it's so interesting. I, my grandma will be 96 in November. Okay. And yeah, I, I mean, she's been saying for like 25 years, like, this might be my last yeah. holidays. And it's like, no, actually, it's been a while now. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Mm. Well, Julia, what does it mean for you to live as your most true you at this point in your not quite hundred year yet life? (laughs) Yeah, my 32 years. Right now, it hasn't changed that much over my life, but I will speak to right, right in this moment. Being my most true me involves deeply taking care of myself in a way that I never really learned to growing up. No offense to my parents. They're beautiful people. uh, But it just wasn't part of what they knew. Mm. And it was just not part of the culture where I grew up. Everybody was really competitive, very academically focused. And we focused so much on our brains and not on our bodies. And I did that for a while until it got me cancer. And then I was like, (sighs) oh, yeah, I'm half body. So now I try to strike this balance of entertaining all of my curiosities, because those will take me down many a rabbit hole and slowing down and just really being present in my body and Mm. making space for that. So yeah, all of those, all of those things together. in that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's the kicker. Yeah. But I feel like the thing with that is, at least thinking of my own experience, it's easy to really go toward one or the other, but having that and gives you the ability to really move back and forth between the two. And it probably looks different any given day for you. Is that? Yeah, that's totally accurate. That's why, you know, in my 
intro, as people heard, I'm an intentional living enthusiast. And I called myself an intentional living coach for a while until people were just like, I just don't understand what that is. <laughs> it's like, okay, fine. I'll so what does that mean but, for you? Yeah. So to me, intentional living is making sure that your actions and your decisions, it, basically in every moment, but in every day, align with the person you want to be and the life that you want to live. Mm. And so um, in the same way, I, I I was working as a professional home organizer for several years. Okay. And that's really where that concept, like where I really fell in love with intentional living because people are choosing the objects in their space. And I'm like, well, there's really no reason that we can't just apply that decluttering process to our whole life. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of hard not to also. There's sort of a domino effect. It's like when you organize your closet, the rest of the room can't be disorganized after because then you just feel kind of out of balance. Yeah. So <laughs> it's like just encouraging people to take that same kind of critical eye because in my experience, really focusing on my brain and my learning and interests, I was always just like going, 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 going. Yeah. And I never stopped to kind of question what really mattered to me and what I was doing as like a people pleasing perfectionist, <laughs> like what like separating out the parts of me that are different and just don't care yeah. <laughs> what other people think. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me, what does that look like for you now to, you know, in order to be sure that what you're doing in your life aligns with your values and with what you want in your life, you have to be able to actually be aware of what you want in your life. So what does that look like for you right now to create ways to be aware of what you want in your life? Yeah. I think there are a lot of different kind of avenues and like ways to bring together and clarify what it is that matters. But I think some of the core practices are identifying core values. Like it sounds hokey and sometimes you get stuck doing it at like a weird team building activity. <laughs> like that's sort of, you know, it can be kind of an awkward process, but really sitting down and being like, okay, so if I had six weeks to live, let's say. So just enough time to do some things that not enough time to get too uh, fancy with your plans. <laughs> and like, what matters to me on my to-do list today? Mm. And then suddenly you're like, oh, like a bunch of this stuff doesn't really matter to me. And of course you have to find that balance right? between like living in society and making money to the extent that you are in society yeah. <laughs> making money. And then also with your own health and your own wellness and not yeah. letting one kind of take the other one out of check yeah. a little bit. So it's that. Mm. And again, I think we're going to keep coming back to that. <laughs> I think so too. Yeah. Because it is it, a lot of holding both. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I love that idea of thinking about if I only had six weeks, what are the things that would actually matter and really diving into that and allowing yourself to process that and holding that you know, in one hand, while in the other, you're holding the fact that you may not even live through till tomorrow, or you could live until you're a hundred. And so you want to be sure that you're kind of living in both realities. Totally. 
Yeah, you hit it right on the head. I think having a reverence for the fact that you just have no idea. Yeah. And understanding that like people are like, well, if I died in six weeks, then I would just go on a bunch of cruises and do these other things. And I was like, but if you really sit with it, a lot of people just are like, I'm going to go see my friends or my family or sit in my favorite park under my favorite tree. And like, it's all all maybe a little bit simpler Mm. than I think we expect. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned that you have used for a while you did home organization. Mm -hmm. I would love to know how you got into that and what that Mm. looked like for you. Yeah. So I, I have a degree in graphic design and was working as a designer, all freelance. And so when I moved out to LA and I was doing freelance to kind of supplement my income, I was working retail. And then I moved to a smaller retail store where I got to be in charge of this itty bitty stock room where we had to fit everything in this little tiny space. And I absolutely loved sort of Tetrising all the purses (laughs) and clothing. And, and my manager there was like, why are you not just a professional organizer? Like you, the part of this job that you love is the organizing. And I was like, fair enough. I've seen every episode of Hoarders. Like I know that that's an actual profession. And of course you have to be certified to work with hoarders and hoarding is sort of its own category. And I did Mm -hmm. not work with hoarders. My clientele was far more often like sort of Hollywood uh, Los Angeles people who aren't, it's not like they're not hoarders, but they weren't. The clients I had weren't. Yeah. I, I will qualify that. Um, yeah. And so I had actually reached out to my mentor named Beth, who runs Benino Bar. And I reached out to her on Instagram. Back when Instagram was like still not, it was still in chronological order. <laughs> and it wasn't super like ad, there were no ads, that kind of thing. So we got coffee. And that was it. And she was like, yeah, I can train you for six months. You can help in the office and we'll go to jobs. And that was it. So that was 2015. And that was when I really started. And I was doing that until I got diagnosed with cancer in 2018, at which point I was sort of just too tired to continue. It's a Mm -hmm. very strenuous job doing home organizing. So I continued to do some with select clients because I could work just in four hour chunks. But yeah. I got, I was like, the stuff I get really jazzed about is when people want to dive into like their life. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of how that rolled into coaching okay. and organizing. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So I would love to hear a little bit about how your cancer diagnosis and then going through the treatments and being a survivor, how that whole process has impacted your ability or your perspective on what it's like to live as your most true self. Yeah. I mean, I will preface this by saying I've always considered myself kind of a diehard nonconformist. I have an identical twin sister. And so growing up, I didn't, I I had the luxury of like not worrying. I mean, of course I wanted friends and we had friends, but I knew that I always had someone that was like my ride Mm. or die. And so I, it didn't matter as much to me if everybody thought I was weird. So that gave me a lot of leeway to kind of push the boundaries on what I wanted to wear. And, you know, I'm still like a total rule follower kid, but like <laughs> the societal norms that I think are dumb, I'm definitely a rule breaker in that realm. So prefacing that, that's okay. a little bit of like kind of where I'm coming from. 
but total people pleasing, overworking because I'm just like running on adrenaline all the time, feeling really burned out, find a lump in my neck, think, hmm, that's probably, don't think that used to be there, so I should get that checked out. And yeah, I had, th- I had thyroid cancer and, or still have, I should say, um, And it's kind of an unusual cancer. They're all super different, so it's hard to categorize even. But the standard treatment is surgery, and then you swallow a radioactive pill, which I did not know was a thing. So, But what was so beautiful about that process and getting diagnosed with cancer has, in retrospect, been the best thing that's ever happened because I actually took a break. Mm. from working for the first time pretty much ever even thinking back through school like just forever so that dropped me into this really beautiful presence which I now understand to be mindfulness and equanimity but at the time I didn't really have language for it I just knew how and I was like this is the best (laughs) like can everybody have like a slice of this and that has deeply, deeply shifted. Like I've done a complete 180. Like my apartment is the same. My family is the same. My husband is the same, but everything else is very different and in the best way possible. And I've really centered health as a core value of mine that, I mean, if I had a list of core values, even two years before that, like I don't even know that health would have been on my list because I just thought that I was fine. You know, like I thought that how I was living was just fine because I'm fine in this moment, even Mm -hmm. though I really like wasn't. Yeah. But I just didn't have a lot of presence or awareness about it. So (laughs) yeah, it's just been that slowness has been the thing that the biggest gift and the thing that I continue and I try actively to cultivate that slowness. And it takes a lot of effort because I'm like kind of the energizer bunny usually. <laughs> and I want to go read all the books and do all the things. Yeah. And I have to kind of temper my excitement yeah. uh, for that. <laughs> what are some practices that help you to remain mm. at that slower pace? Yeah. So I love... I've tried a bunch of different types of meditation. Mm-hmm. For me, the the practices that resonate the most are, have been insight practices, so vipassana, where you're really just practicing being with your thoughts as they arise and being okay. with your body sensations as they arise. And that really helps me to be able to when my brain is like, let's go look up 12,000 things instead of going to to like make lunch for myself. And then I'm like, okay, I see you thought and I understand that I'm interested. And I instead I'm going to do this thing and intentionally pick something different. So having a morning meditation practice where the first thing I do is be still Mm. instead of my normal routine pre-cancer would have been like hop up out of bed super early, put on some black tea, get that going, lots of caffeine, get started on my to-do list, like just go, 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 go right away. And so being like, I know you want to do that, but instead be still. And now I deeply prefer the stillness in the morning, Mm -hmm. but 
had to warm up to the like getting out of that habit is just yeah. so strong. Yeah. So mm, yeah. How do you in my when you're saying that in my mind, I kind of have this internal criticism of myself mm-hmm. that I'm guessing other people have as well. And that is, I'm trying to see if I can put this into coherent words, but this idea that, yes, I hear my thought that I want to go do this, you know, dig into something for 12,000 hours or whatever it is. I have eight different books I want to read. And so I'm going to go grab three of them and take them all to the couch with me. But no, instead, I'm going to actually pause and go do the thing which I needed to do, which is make myself lunch and feed myself healthy food. My internal criticism is, well, now you're restricting yourself because what Mm. you wanted in that moment was to go look at all three of your books and spend 30 minutes trying to decide which one you read and then decide it's none of them and then you'll go make your lunch. So I'm wondering for you, one, if you have, you know, if that has been part of your process as kind of speaking to that type of internal criticism and then if so, how you have processed it. Yeah, that's such a beautiful point because most of that criticism I in my life, it comes from a voice that's not mine, mm. basically. Sort of someone else's expectation or that somehow, you know, and it depends on people's, like everybody's own experience. Like yeah. particularly eating disorders are very clear, like over, under, you know, like split. But that happens in all aspects of our life mm-hmm. is the sort of like overly restrictive or overly indulgent and um for me, the process has been like first having some grace that like there's not a perfect way to do this. It's mm-hmm. just so long as I'm listening to myself, that's important. And the key is knowing when when I'm listening, which is the voice that's supporting my wellness. And which is the voice that's like taking me away from wellness. Mm. And in my case, overindulging in my books before I've eaten lunch is taking me away from wellness because then I will never get back to eat lunch and then I will skip lunch and then mm. I will just eat a dinner later and be like, oh, I'm so starving and my blood sugar's crashing. And yeah, so it's, It's a balance. And I think one of the best things you can do is giving yourself permission to have times where just follow your impulsive indulgences. Like (laughs) you just are like, yeah, I am going to go read for three hours instead of doing this other thing. And I will do that thing later and it's going to be perfect. But (laughs) I can't guilt trip myself later about it. I just have to commit to the intentional decision I've made now and just trust that that was the decision that I thought in that moment was the best for me. And that's fine. Like, you know, you're going to get it like in air quotes wrong sometimes, (laughs) but it's fine at the time you thought it was right. So like, keep going. Yeah. I think for me, that's been uh, kind of this practice of forgiveness, I guess. I love that. Well, there's so Mm. much packed into that. There's the forgiveness, there's compassion, there's knowing your core values. If wellness is a core value for you, then that's part of, you know, maybe that internal dialogue of, yeah, I do want to go read for three hours, but I have committed to wellness in this way. So I'm going to do that first. So I see there's a lot in that and I appreciate you speaking to that. Hmm. Uh, the point you brought up too 
makes me think of when, especially when I was doing home organizing, people would be, it was, it coincided with when Marie Kondo got really popular. Okay. People were like, spark joy. I want to follow <laughs> joy. And that's beautiful. And people would be like, but my vacuum doesn't spark joy. My broom doesn't spark joy. And I'd be like, yes. And it probably won't unless it's like a cute color or something. But I, for me, I have a broom and a vacuum that work very well for me and they help create the space yeah. that I most like to live in. And yes. that's where the joy is living in a space that makes me feel comfortable. It's not the actual broom. So kind of the same thought process of like sometimes the thing that best serves you is not the most exciting thing yeah. and but it's building to the life that you want to be living and that you've already established with yourself mm. <laughs> that you want to be living yeah because mm. if having a clean space sparks joy having a vacuum is a tool to use to spark exactly. that joy yeah. Yes. I will yes. say my vacuum sparks a lot of joy. And my one of my good friends, who's also my neighbor, gives me a really hard time about it because when I bought it, I was like telling the whole world about this vacuum. Oh, you love that. And so I had much. bought it on sale at Costco. And I have really dark, they're laminate, but they look like hardwood floors. I live in an apartment. I have two kids, mm -hmm. I have a cat. We're on the first floor. It's always dirty. So for me, this vacuum was like the best thing ever because yeah. it made keeping my floors looking clean way more simple than they have been <sighs> previously. And yes. especially with the dark, like every little speck of dust shows. So oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> like I just did the floor. Oh like, yeah. No, I'll sweep or vacuum. And then 10 minutes later, I'm like, seriously, did I not yes. just do that? Oh my but gosh. Yeah, totally. So sometimes vacuums can spark joy. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm so here for that. I fully support that. <laughs> so funny. Okay. I want to look back and see at my question. Mm -hmm if there was something else because all of that has been really really helpful okay in your intro you mentioned that you're a Gallup certified strengths coach oh, yeah. how do you use that in the coaching that you do I'm such a strengths junkie and I think this comes from I think this really ties deeply to helping people just really get excited about themselves mm. and learn more about themselves so my whole life, I've been very much strengths focused where it kind of the crux for me of like leaving perfectionism behind started senior year of high school in okay. calculus class. And I was abysmal calculus. Like I tried so, <laughs> so hard and my teacher would help me every day during lunch and then when I would get to the test, I would just not, like, none of it came out. And he would just not grade questions so that I wouldn't totally fail. So, wow. I, like, I got a C <laughs> in the class, but I definitely did not get a C in the class. And that was when I realized that, like, 100% input on something doesn't always yield 100% output. But it didn't mm. mean that I wasn't supposed to put in 100% input. It just needed to have more grace for the the inevitable output. And I was wow. like, well, I don't know. Like, does it really matter that I am not good at calculus because I'm really good at these other things that I really enjoy. And so maybe that doesn't matter that much. And that was kind of the first inkling of like, yeah, but 
can't like someone else just do the calculus for me and then I'll make their posters or something when they need them. Like I can make them a website. That's cool. Maybe they can't do that. And starting to just like really deeply appreciate what I did super well in order to kind of account for the things that I didn't do super well and Mm -hmm. stop trying to like fix things that I didn't do super well. Yeah. And when I was working as a freelance graphic designer, I got to take the Clifton Strengths assessment, the Gallup assessment, and I loved it so much. And I, I took like my whole team did it, and I was like, got so excited about all of their strengths. I was like explaining to them why I thought they were so awesome and how cool it was that we were all so different and that we worked together so well. Yeah. And then after cancer, I was like, this was that was about two years before. And then after, I was like, I don't know. I mean. I love the Clifton Strengths assessment like more than is like maybe normal. Maybe I should be certified and let that kind of inform where I might take coaching. And I think it's been a really, really beautiful foundation for people to kind of gain more insight and a lot more just language. Sometimes people mm-hmm. can't explain why they're good at something or to in my the way that I explain the Clifton Strengths results is sort of like your filter on the world, like the yeah. way that you approach problem solving. Yep. And that's super cool to see everybody has a way that they approach problem solving. Yep. And everybody's way is amazing. And I just get to help people understand what that looks like yeah. for them and just get so jazzed about it. Because I just think everyone inherently is born with something beautiful that they can share. Yeah. They don't have to, and it doesn't need to be a productivity related thing. It's just like a little bit of magic. There's so much to those tests, whether it's that one or I'm a huge fan of the Enneagram. That's one that I've done a ton of work with and actually did that with a team at work a few years back And it was really cool to see some of the teammates who had never done any or had been a long time since they had done something like that for them to be able to, like you're saying, really see themselves through a different lens and in a way that validated them. And then for us to be able to see each other through that lens, because it just neutralizes all of our differences, I think. Mm, And so whether mm -hmm. you're looking at it in a team context like that or in an individual context, I think that having something where we can have that validation for why we are the way that we are makes, it's really empowering. That's what I have found. Yeah, totally. Because it's so counter to the kind of traditional performance reviews of what are you not doing well and what can you do better? And instead just being like, what are you awesome at? And also what are you not awesome at? But how can we look at that in a way that's not ignoring it, but also not like you're, there's nothing wrong with you. And that's such a beautiful thing. Yeah. That's really cool. Before we wrap up, I want to go back to this idea of being able to articulate what our core values are. And I'm wondering if that's something that you have worked with other people on helping them to articulate that. And if so, you know, what would be your recommendation to people to kind of get started in identifying what their core values are? Yeah, that's a great question. There's a couple of ways you can go about it. There's actually like lists online. And even in my like coaching kit from Gallup, they have a core values section. So there's a lot of different 
places online that'll give you like your starter list that you can look at. <laughs> but if you're not starting with a list and you're just trying to kind of like distill it out, one of my favorite things is to come back to that question of like, if I had six weeks mm-hmm. left to live, like what matters to me on my to-do list and like what would maybe be on my agenda for my six weeks and starting to just write out all of those things. And it can be like walking through the park or, you know, like you're just <laughs> listing activities and yeah. then you start to kind of look at, oh, this is related to moving my body. This is related to connecting with people. This is related to, and then just kind of keep looking for patterns of like buckets. Yeah. And they don't, there's no rule that says that there's this like, there's 20 core values and one of yours is in here. Like it just doesn't, (laughs) it doesn't work like that. So yours, your core values can, you just try to like reduce it down to the biggest possible category, kind of lowest common denominator. Have you gone through that process and articulated what your core values are? I haven't done it like this year now. And I think I need to do it. I, I mean, for me, health just like is the North star, but uh-huh. also family, you know? And so I think I need to redo mine and yeah. see now, because with all of this and same with this kind of intentional living, it's always shifting and morphing yeah. and changing and you're feelings about things change. Like your favorite t-shirt doesn't stay your favorite t-shirt for your whole life. And the same goes for pretty much everything else. That's a great analogy. (laughs) A process. Mm, Yeah. It just is. So it's always going to shift and and that's great and normal and welcome and yeah, Yeah. to be expected. Very cool. Mm. As you have gone through this process, especially over the past maybe two years of your journey have there been any specific resources or books that have been have left a big impression on you and you feel like, wow, I wish everybody could read this mm-hmm. or have access to this resource? I have a million book recommendations. <laughs> I actually have a page on my website oh, cool. of book recommendations. But I think if I kind of reduce it down, one book that left just such an impression on me was it's called The Five Invitations by Frank Ostaseski. And it is related to he started or works in, I think he was the founder of the Zen Hospice Project. Oh. And he's basically talking, it's a combination of meditation, mindfulness, and also end of life reflections wow. and like people on their deathbed yeah. and what they say matters to them. So that's been, that was, I just was like, like, gosh, this is so good. I just want everybody to read this. Yeah. And it's maybe if that strikes you, read it. And if that doesn't strike you at all, don't worry about it. Like, it's, <laughs> not, it's okay. It's maybe not for everyone. There've been a million other books too, but that's the one that's like really calling to me right now that kind of summed okay. it all up for me mm. in a way that I hadn't kind of summed up before. Yeah. Mm. Well, I will link to that book as well as to your page that has the book recommendations Mm. in the show notes for anybody listening. And that leads us to our final question, which is where can people find you? Online. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm in Los Angeles (laughs) right now, but my website is just julia.coach. That's a great place to find my book recommendations and my blog and things. And And there's no .com to that. 
There's so, a, it's dot just, coach. Yeah. yeah. So I just want to, because when I first yeah. typed that in, I was like, I didn't know this was a thing. So yeah, for anybody listening, I want them to know we didn't leave off that it is julia.coach. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it was on purpose. <laughs> I like that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's always good. And then you can usually find me on Instagram mostly at okay. life.coach.julia cool. and have plenty of mindfulness and all that intentional living over there too. Good. Well, I will link to both of those in the show notes. Thank you for your time today and your energy and just for sharing so much about you and your journey. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me and for asking such thoughtful questions and having such beautiful reflections. It was a lovely conversation. Thanks. I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. You have so many options to choose from, and I love that you chose the Most True You podcast. You can support the podcast by subscribing and reviewing the podcast, particularly via iTunes. You can find out more information about our guests in the show notes, and you can find out more information about me on my website at ikellyirene.com and more information about the podcast at Most True youpodcast.com. Until next week, many blessings, my friends. Mm-hmm.